What up? What up? Welcome to the Continual Growth Podcast, where every week we bring you tips and tricks on how to kill every day and own your fucking life. I'm Bawanka. I'm your host. It's episode 57. Hey, you know we about to bring that hot fire. So today we have a very special guest. Her name is Veronica DeSantos. She has an incredible story, and I can't wait for her to share it with you guys. So, a little bit about Veronica. She's the founder of DeSantos Premier Martial Arts, which currently has two locations and has been in business for over 30 years. She's a former Taekwondo athlete and Canadian Hall of Famer who is currently coaching the Canadian national team as well as the World Association of Kickboxing Organizations. Veronica has competed, coached, and traveled all over the world to places such as England, Germany, Mexico, Italy, and many more. And Veronica is also known as Tuan Jan Nim, which is a Korean term meaning master of one's house. So you know, at Continual Growth, we love the AKAs. Veronica, tell us a little bit about this Kwan Jan Nim, master of the house. Where did you get this nickname from? It's a Korean name for master. So I didn't want to be just called master. I like the title of thing, Kwan Jan Nim. Mm -hmm. And my students, uh, uh, it's like having a title, like being the principal of the school. So we said, you know, I'm the principal of the school. So Kwan Jan Nim is the the key. I like that name. So you're the master of the house. I'm master of the house. Okay. So you have an incredible story. I mean, we talked... We talked a few days ago. You told me about it. I was blown away by it. Now it's time to, to share it with our audience. Um, the first thing that I really want to jump into is I want to talk about your, your walk that you do. Okay. The walk that you do. So you start in, in well, I'll let you handle it. But basically, you're going on a, on a walk that's at least four, four days long. Four days, yeah. Which, sure. is, which is crazy. <laughs> So, so tell us a little bit about the walk. Well, I have a foundation. It's called the Santa's Foundation. I've always been giving back because I feel my martial arts has given me so much opportunity in the world. And from the first day I started working, my first job in Canada, I sent home $100 so my mom could buy food to give back to the community. And then when I got my job at the bank, it was like, wow, right? So I said, you got to do that. So I've always done some kind of charity thing. You're, I always, believe, you're all about yeah, giving back. All, and I've done many different things, but I really wanted something for my legacy to be continue so we walk from toronto to niagara falls every year in april and we work for four days so it's crazy it's um it's a very um changing if you walk that walk it's a whole different uh, setup so we work four days and our our key for that is that we raise money for help kids in school going back to school or anybody who doesn't have food have anything and people call us we do that but our main thing right now is um is supporting kids to go back to school so i'm from guyana so one of my big projects is guyana this year we were send back 200 kids to school, giving them from a backpack, uniform, shoes. As you know, I'm not sure, um, in the Caribbean, in Guyana, especially if you don't have um, shoes or, or you don't have clothing to go back to school, you can't go to school. So I make sure those kids are going back to school fully clothed. And also my second part is being in Canada, being here. A lot of people don't realize that Niagara region is a very poor region. So I support that neighborhood in Niagara, um, the big region. So we give clothing as well on a lunch program. And in Toronto, here in Toronto, I also do that as well. So we do a lot of like a lot of things in between. We do we'd have in Jamaica as well. We have we little have last year a little bit in um 
in Haiti. And our other project is also in, in, in the Philippines. We have all these kids after breakfast program, going back to school, anything they need to go to school. That's what we do. Okay, okay. So I know it started out It started out on a bike, right? Yes. Okay. I, I biked the first time to Niagara Falls. I have done like jogging around the neighborhood, do all sorts of tournaments, but I thought I want something that really different. And so the first time I decided I'll ride my bike, I've never ridden that far before. And I can imagine from Toronto to Niagara Falls, it took us hours to get it. So, how long? How long? So we started six o'clock in the morning. I never got into Niagara Falls like ten thirty at night. Damn. I got lost and was like I was like I was hungry. It was like horrible. Everybody was waiting for us. So I thought, no, we're not doing that again. And I really the, the walk was I really want to connect with people. And then I find biking for me wasn't connecting while we were walking and chatting. So you know I, I guess I um I believe spiritually and I believe I have a mission in this world and I ask for guidance. What should I do? So walking was one of the things I thought it would do and everybody embraced it. And I also want to do the walk because I want anybody of any ability to do so a little kid could walk if someone in a wheelchair we could wheelchair there whatever so we a lot of that I thought I wanted that camaraderie I'm, a, I'm a, from a village mm-hmm. called Prospect in Guyana and I believe in the village concept having everybody work together and do yeah. things together and so that's what the walking okay in. and then how many people how, when you switch from biking to walking how many people came to that first walk um, I had four people and myself was five and then when we were walking my friend said I was insane why I <laughs> let him walk at me and all the time they were giving me a hard time but and then people said say to me and if you do it again we'll go walk and then the next year I had maybe 15 people last year we finished with 77 people walked 77 which is, people, yeah which is huge my goal is hopefully um, to have 100 this year I don't know you never know but we have the, you could walk four days one day three day two day you could walk mm-hmm. any of the, the days if you want okay okay stir yo stir already committed he said he's down I'm I'm, I'm holding I'm, him to I, it I, I think I, I may I may be coming I haven't committed yet <laughs> we just but. yeah you know we just ask people to um you know, if you're going to walk one day or so, just get a sponsor at minimum $100 with us. We, we, you know, we're trying to help our community a lot. Like it's so much people go back to school and having, uh, I don't know, but it's, I think education is important and thinking to go to school and not have food in your belly. I can't just, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, how can I be, you know? So I like the whole thing of that. Yeah, it's okay, really fun. Perfect. It's a fun And walk. how long have you been doing this for? Over seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now let's kind of switch to like, what made you what made you start this? You want to give people clothes to go to school, mm-hmm. you want to have people to have food to make sure they're 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 fed. Mm-hmm. Um kind of give us a little bit more backstory on on you and and what brought you to 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 where you are now. Wow. Um I started charity because when I was younger, I, I was one of those kids who needed some clothing, something to go to school. And I don't know, I remember my mom took me somewhere to get that. And I was like, oh, my God. But as I grew up, I always believe in giving since I was a kid. I love helping people. Mm-hmm. I love my friends. We all to grow together. I believe in helping people. I can't think of not having food because I think in my life I didn't have food at a certain time, too. So think of people starving. It's I can't fathom that. You know, it's so much food in the world. And I just want to make sure it doesn't happen. I want to give up. I didn't have the opportunity to go to school the same because education is so different. I finished school when I was 14. And I, I don't think I should have finished school when I was 14. So yeah. I, I want to make sure there's opportunity for kids and that. Yeah. So with my background, we have a little bit to do with that. But also in the world, I believe in just giving back. Because in my world, I've got so much great opportunities. And some of my family didn't have it. So I, I think I, in, in, I have a mission to give back. Yeah, That's oh. been the passion about that. Okay, okay. So you finished school when you were 14. And this <laughs> was when you were in, in Guyana? Yeah. Okay, so you're 14, you're in Guyana, you finished school. And then what brought you to Canada? Well, I was very lucky. I, I always think I, I was very blessed to get here. I came here when I was 16. I met the wonderful, um, when I was younger, I have a boyfriend and 
in Guyana, you don't just date at that time. You got to get engaged or get married and stuff. So I met this wonderful guy named Maurice, and we sort of were seeing each other. And then he had an opportunity to come to Canada, and he told my parents that he could bring me to Canada if I would like. And my parents agreed, and we got married and came here. And that was how I came to Canada. So I always feel blessed um, to have that opportunity, and then my rest of the family didn't have. And... Um, Maurice has been a, my angel in my life, and he was a wonderful person that, that gave me that opportunity. So when I came here, even now, that the opportunity I have, I'm a, I'm a family of 10. I'm number 10 child. And to come and have this opportunity and see my family back home, so I feel that I have a responsibility. That's a response I put on myself to mm-hmm. make sure I always give back for, the, for the, either the luck I have or the blessing I have. I think it's important for me to give back. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so now... I remember when we talked, you told me you were six years old and, and you wanted, that was when you first <laughs> felt that spark of like, I want to, yeah. I want to fight. I want to yeah, do, I know. you want to do Taekwondo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what'd your mom say? The mom said, no, since I was six years old, I thought, why well, is this really cool? Cause I was a very active child in school. And my mom was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with you? So my cousin said, my, my mom cousin, she says, you know, I have something Veronica could do judo. I have no clue what martial arts was. I have no clue. All I know, you can beat people up. That's yeah. all I knew. And I didn't want a way to beat me up. I used to get bullied at school. So six years, my mom said, no, she's too active. She's going to beat people up or something. Mm-hmm. But when I, 10 years later, I was in Canada. And I remember I used to tell people when I was to go to school that I know karate and I had no clue what karate was. Yeah. I didn't know what exactly karate is, but I knew it's something to do with fighting. And then one day my brother who took karate, he took me to watch. I watched him got his belt. I'm like, oh my God, that's awesome. But again, I didn't take martial arts still because it was a no for girls. But when I came to Canada and I was 16 years old, I missed Guyana. I, I was a very active child playing cricket and all that, very active and came to Canada in the 70s. was very challenging, you know, from racism to everything you could think of. And I lost myself because I felt I'm not the same person. So one day I was in Mississauga. I lived in Mississauga. And I was walking in the street and I look across the street and I see martial arts. Mm-hmm. I did not even know there was so many different discipline in martial arts. So Taekwondo was my first style and I went right away and I signed up and I said, I want to be a champion. I want to do this. I want to be a black belt. And then I started doing it. And it was hard because... Okay, let, me, let me just stop you real quick. Yes. What made you be like, all right, I want to be a champion. I want to be a black belt. Where, where did this hunger come from? Uh, you know, I, if, I don't know. I didn't know the word goal setting. I didn't know the word. I didn't know to spell the word. I didn't even know it exists. And I just knew it came from my heart. It came from my soul that... I want to be all this. And I didn't know. I remember when I went to sign up in, in the school, there was a flyer on the wall saying about a tournament. And so I'm like, wow, that's interesting. But in that moment, that day when I signed up, I knew, I, I didn't even believe it was 1976 I signed up in the martial arts, I think 1976. That's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I, in that moment, I knew I want to do that. But it wasn't, it's not, never was an easy road to get to gold. And I didn't know the word gold. I just knew I want to do something different. I want to be better than what I, what I saw in that. And then I started training. And in, in, in the 70s, training it was tough for women in, in the martial arts, any women, young people. And most of it was guys. And, and, um, and of course, we want to challenge you too, right? You had to do a lot of, a lot of training and sparring and stuff with yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I was a lot, all, mostly sometimes I'd be in a class of 20 and I'm the only woman in the class. And, mm-hmm. And I was fine. Some of the guys just want to be with me because they, they feel like they could just challenge me and beat me up. And I wasn't going to let that happen. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to survive in the 70s in the martial arts. It was tough. But yeah. you know what? I could hand, I, you know, it was tough. I used to, days I used to leave the class and cry outside. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? But my teacher was tough on me. And I think because he wanted me to be tough. He wanted me to not to give up. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day I didn't go back to class for a long time and 
One in my instructor called me. He said, "Where are you?" And I think it was the best thing I ever did was get that call from him and said, "Why are you not a class?" And I was like giving up because I felt it was so tough and people are giving me a hard time and yeah. you know challenges and stuff like that. But I'm glad I, I didn't quit. I'm glad that I stick with it. You know, the the funny thing, I failed my first test. I was getting my martial arts belt. Okay. I was like, "What? I work hard. Why are you failing me?" And I think I went back to. I, I was sure I wasn't sure if I was gonna go back. I'm like, "Why are you failing me? I work harder than everybody else." But you know, it's not about everybody else. It's all about you. What are you doing? What are you doing for growth? And that's. So I went back to class, and I'm glad I went back. Because yeah. And that, I think I think that's all a part of the journey. Like you have to. You have to go through those. You have to get your butt whooped. You have to fail the test. Yeah. You have to realize like you're you're just not good enough, and yeah. then you have to work do, harder, yeah. do more yeah. things to to get to the point where you become good enough. Oh. But I think that's that's just all a part of the journey. It's all part of the journey. You know, it's it's the destination, the journey, right? The journey. I enjoyed the journey more so than then you get to the destination. It's like, wow, I'm there. But the journey is what shift your life. It's all mm-hmm. of that, right? Because yeah, that was. I had a lot of challenges in my class when I, you know, sparring, fighting. You get kick in your head. Yeah. At that time, oh, you don't have man. proper no proper gear. I'll give you a story which was really cool. I remember finally I was in one class one day and our instructor was telling us to hold our hands a certain way to do kicking and this person I was with didn't care to be with me because maybe it was a female at that time and we were totally attitude about being my partner and I remember I, I hit him and I was willfully hitting him. I apologized. I said, hey man, you got to do what the court says we can do but totally different attitude. So I hit him and I apologized. So the next day he came to class he said to me, I want to I spar with you. And I thought, okay, maybe we're going to practice. I said, no problem. Hang on, I'll be right out. I remember he's like trying to kick me hard. And this is a warm-up class. And then I said, okay, I used to watch a lot of movies and all the funky kung fu movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember he threw this kick to my head. And I dropped to the floor and I threw a kick to his gore and I held it. I didn't hit him. And I said, do you want to continue? Oh, shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me with awe and he said, no, I have never seen him back since that day in my classroom. And the second story was about this other guy. You know, I got my black belt now. I work really hard every day and got my black belt. And he decided he's going to teach me a lesson in the classroom because, you know, slam me against the wall after the wall. And remember my instructor looked at me. I remember, I'm, I'm like, this is not what we're supposed to do in class, but this guy is doing that. So he decided he will you know, really try to lay me a good one. So I just, cut, I mean, you do a back kick, like a spinning back kick. I just cut the side of an uppercut mm-hmm. and he ended up having three stitches. My instructor said nothing to me. My instructor just looked at me and it's like, okay, you have to do now. It's like, I physically have always proved myself in the physical art. So yeah. as you know, this is a, um, and no disrespect for me, but a, this is a, a male dominated sport for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I constantly had to prove my physical. Yeah. Even though I'm wearing a black belt, I've always true my whole you know, life, even when I opened my own school, I remember I started my school and this, my student decided to challenge me and I had to step up to the challenge because I thought he was crazy at that moment because I was the number one fighter in the country and I'm number three in the world and he's challenging me and I was like, uh, you know, I got to kind of, I kind of hit it. You, had to, you had to handle it? I had to handle it. And <laughs> I'm not that I'm proud of it, but that's what I had to do. I mm-hmm. had to do those things to prove that I am. I have the right to, and um, to be wearing this black belt. I work yeah. really hard, just as you. But I'm not here to. But if you're gonna challenge me, when you put me to a challenge, I have to step up. Yeah. Even any kind of challenge, you know, as a competitor, you gotta you're gonna step up to that. Oh, yeah. and, and the last. And the, so I've had a few of them. Even when I was running my own business, so I'll give you one last story. I'm not gonna tell you a lot. But there was one time I opened my martial arts school, and I 
And this gentleman I know, he came to my school. I introduced him to get a job at my bank. And then he came. And we, I remember it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And 5 o'clock in the afternoon, running a martial arts school, you're busy. You don't have time to socialize, right? Mm-hmm. So he was giving me attitude. I said, hey, won't you have a seat? I'll come back and check out on you. So I went into my office, and he was trying to touch me. Yeah. And I have a black belt on. Yeah. So that's how the disrespect, right? And I'm like, I said, put it back. I said, what are you doing? You know, Put back. He says, oh, you and I was reaching for my, across my desk. He said, oh, you're going to call the police. I said, I have no reason to call the police. And so he tried to touch me again. I wasn't like a friendly, hey, it was like this different touch. And he started giving me attitude. And then he touched me. And the day before that, I was, I lived downtown Toronto. I used to come up with all these crazy ideas. Like if I'm in the elevator, what would I do if somebody attacked me? And I was called this practice. So you happen to be in that. We were in a very small office as this or smaller. And this is when you worked at the bank? Yeah, I worked at the bank. And then I was, I used to work at the bank and teach martial arts all in the same time. Okay, okay, okay. Full time at the bank. Full-time martial arts teacher, just, you know, hustling. And, yeah. and he decided to do that. And all I did was my elevator technique. I just, you know, take care of it. And my students were in my class. They all came over looking, what's your yoga? And I, I didn't mean to embarrass him, but you don't touch me. Yeah. You don't do that. That's something I, reason why Mas- I took martial Master of the house. Master of the house. You can't come <laughs> mess in my house. So anyway. Okay, okay. So there's a lot and, of some of the stories on that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know what's crazy? So after we talked, like mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't know which which martial arts taekwondo mm-hmm. was so so Jaff started he he pulled up youtube and he's like man this is crazy these guys are drop kicking each other <laughs> so we all started looking and we found out like real quick what taekwondo and uh, is and we were watching um it was it was best knockouts in taekwondo it's crazy <laughs> oh my god it's just yeah. spinning kicks to the head <laughs> People were just dropping left, right, and center. Like, this is a dangerous, dangerous sport. It is. You know, the level you were looking at is really high level. Um, there's two styles of Taekwondo. There's, a North, of course, the North Korean, South Korean, both have different styles of Taekwondo. ITF Taekwondo is a North Korea. I'll just make it so it's easy to understand. And WTF Taekwondo, South Korea. And the, the one you probably were watching is the South Korea, which is the Taekwondo style. It's called WTF, and it is mostly legs, 99% of the legs. ITF Taekwondo, just as kicking and punching together. So I did both style of Taekwondo. Okay. So I was very fortunate to be able to compete in both, and I was very close to going to the Olympics with the WTF style Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. But I also studied boxing and kickboxing, and I also did karate, Shotokan karate. So my style of martial arts have been bland over the time, but I did compete in all those styles. I, mm-hmm. I also compete in open styles. It's, it's, yeah, it's so much. Martial is such a big world that yeah. uh, what I'm excited about is that karate, which is Taekwondo is in the Olympic already, but karate, Japanese style, is going to be in the Olympics this year, in the next Olympics and then maybe they say the Waco Canada Waco World will be in the following Olympics okay, it's great okay. to see it. it'll be very entertaining hope people watch it it'll be great yeah. Yeah. okay so now like we haven't really got into any competition <laughs> yeah. yet and I know you're you're a competitor you're a fighter you're mm. you're ready you're ready for whatever okay yeah. so Kind of tell us tell us a little bit about what's going on in, in some of these tournaments. I know you're you're you won a you won a silver medal in the what was it, Waco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won a silver medal there, and you you've won lots of different competitions. You're in the Hall of Fame now, Canadian Hall of Fame. You yeah. were one of the best fighters in the country. So tell us a, a little bit about some of, some of these tournaments. Well, the, I've lived for tournaments. I've um, 
I've, I, I think I sacrificed everything to be in a competitor. And I know people who are high level competitive, they sacrifice everything. I've sleep in cars, sleep in gym, hawk my jewelry, everything you could think of to get to competition. Call my friends up to borrow money and, you know, try to pay them back later and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I've competed. Okay. T- in- tell us about, tell us about <laughs> the, 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 the one time where you had to, you had to borrow some money yeah. and you had to. Well, this is one of my favorite moments in my competition world. And I was so broke and I was trying to get to the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open is one the prestige tournament and point fighting. It's more a point tournament. I say that, uh, but it's different style of you know. It's like different this um, organization. So there's one organization. It's huge and it's all across North America. But I want to get to the U.S. Open, and I've been there before. I got third, but I know this year I could win it. Mm-hmm. So I this is re- your year. This is I felt it was my year. Okay, I'm, I have no money, but I felt it was my year. So yeah. I got to figure out something. You got to do what you got to do. So I call I call my best friend. Say, hey, can you put my your card, my ticket on your credit card. She it's says, like, no problem. She, she, she gave me a long lecture and stuff like that. I'll take the beat, right? I'll take the lecture. Yeah. Then I call this other friend of mine. I said, hey, I know you're going. Can I stay in your hotel room? I'll sleep on the floor if I have to. She says, yeah, you could come in. I'll have other people staying in your room. And then, right, I have no spending money, so I have to get money to spend, at least after food, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing I, I, call, I said to my roommate, I said, look, I need the money to put in the bank because I'm going away. But really, I want that money to go spending money, right? Yeah. So I'm going to a tournament. Maybe I'll win the $500 or whatever they have and also you got to be careful because the promoters will say I'll give you the money but they run away they don't give you money so anyway so I got there and and, you know I'm fighting and I was and it was I mean in um, the women's division and down to the semifinals and I'm losing yeah, and I this is where really, this is where you have like everything everything is on, the line on everything right now. on the line, and I'm like, what the hell? So you got to get focused. You can't think that. You got mm-hmm. you got to think it. You got to. The belief that you have in yourself is unbelievable. It's no doubt. Like you can't even put one ounce of doubt in what you believe so strongly, right? You know, in those moments you're, you're in the zone and you can't think about being in the zone, right? I was in the zone, right? So the referee stopped the fight. He said three seconds on the clock, two to one. The person has two to one. You were losing. I was losing. Okay. And, you know, she's celebrating, right? She's yeah. celebrating. She's from Florida. She's a seated competitor. I'm like a nobody in that competition. And I have never moved so fast in my life. Three seconds, imagine. I just talked more than three seconds. So the referee said, go. We got this thing called the blitz. I blitz. I moved so fast off the block that she didn't even know what hit her because she thought the fight was over. Yeah. The fight wasn't over. I went so fast, scored, tied the fight up. Went in overtime and win that fight. Hey. To get in there. I was like, hey. whoa. I was like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Right. But I was in the zone. I, but I still have another fight to go. I can't get out of the zone. I have to, so this next person I'm fighting was a Kenyan girl from Montreal. And I'm moving around. I'm in my head. I'm like, there's no way you're going to touch me. I just had a fight of my life. There's no way you're going to touch me. Mm-hmm. When I won overtime, right? So now I still have to fight again overall championship to win my money back. Yeah. This one I just won fifty dollars. Okay. It wasn't about you know, sometimes I was competing, it wasn't about the money. It's about points. It was just because you're a competitor. So here I'm at final at night. If you ever go to Daytona Beach, Florida, I was where we fought. Like arena was packed, it was maybe ten Canadians, and everybody else was chanting. Um I remember this fight, it was like the Rocky movie in Russia. And the reason why I'll tell you why that was is I'll switch in the story in a minute. So anyway, now it's my time to fight in the ring. We had this ring. It was the finals. They call it, we call it the Grand Championship. The two, the two winners of the day, like we call it lightweight and heavyweight, but we were never really, we were just, those the way to name it. So the two fighters have to fight after to be the champion. Mm-hmm. And that's where my $500 is going to come in for me to get to my, so all of a sudden, the finals come at night and uh, I'm getting ready and they play a Rocky song. Oh my God. 
How <laughs> I think I was going to go insane, right? It's like, now I'm hyped beyond. So I got in the ring. We have two rounds to go. The first round, the referee weren't calling my points. And then that's to me as an athlete. The audience started screaming at the referee, you got to call the points. And then same thing happened. The fight was tied in the second round. No, I, I knocked her down on the, ground, on the floor. And you're not supposed to be full contact, but I hit her and she fell down. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get disqualified. But it was no blood, so they couldn't disqualify me. Mm-hmm. So the referee said, bring the fight back on. And I'm like, oh, my God. So then the fight comes. We're tied over time. The, the, the score is tied. And the next point is going to be the winning point. This is it, man. It's like, I got to win it because, you know, you, you don't give up until the clock says zero on hey. it. She came to me, and I, in the faith that I've had, they, they, on st- they say if you have a, just a, um, a faith as small as a mustard seed, you will conquer the world. You can move mountain. Mm-hmm. That day, I was in the zone. I felt that mustard seed was in that. She came at me. I blitz her. I worked to work on my, my, my instructor said, when, he says, stay with your fundamentals. That's it. Don't get fancy. And as she came in with the faith, and I just scored over time. My feet couldn't touch the ground after I got out of the ring. I was floating. Hey. I, I was running to the comp- to the promoters so I could get my money back and pay everybody back. Yeah. And it was like unbelievable. What did I get from that lesson? Was that you don't give up. You have to have belief beyond your wildest dream that you could do something. You have to feel the faith. And it came from preparation. Because I prepared really hard for that conference. I, I sacrificed a lot of stuff. You know, preparation, and it's not just luck. It's how you prepare, all the things you have done that brought me to that awesome, crazy. I'll never forget that fight. It was the my ultimate awesome. That's it was amazing. a crazy. Thank, so. thank you for sharing with that. Because, like, when I heard that story, I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's crazy and for also for like for those of you that don't know because i used to always think like oh you're on the canadian team like everything is paid for no yeah it's not like you had to you had to borrow money to get there you were basically fighting for your life because you would have owed all these people money even like rent you wouldn't even have rent (laughs) when you got back yeah i had i come out to lie to my i was like oh my god i can't pay rent this apartment guy will kick you out but Mm -hmm. you know just to have that faith and i don't know it's 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 I kind of explained what was that moment was like beyond yeah. it was like priceless. Yeah. So at this time, right, you're 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 training and you have to you have to work your job also and then mm-hmm. train again. Yeah. So what was your what was your day to day like? Well, what I used to do, um, I used to get up like five o'clock in the morning. I go running. I used to ask successful people what they're doing. There was a guy called Billy Blanks. I don't know if you know him. He was like the Tybo guy on TV. He was been my he's been always been my um, my hero, my mentor. I used to ask him questions. I say, hey, Billy, if you have a chance, look at my he's awesome. And he just say, oh, I do a thousand push-ups a day. I'm like, well, I don't know if I could do a thousand push-ups. I'll do a hundred. But I used to ask people what they're doing because there was no videos you watch. Yeah. I, and I, my instructor in my school, I was the only one competing. I, none of, not, the very small percent of people compete in, in any sport. Mm-hmm. So not having anybody at your school can be you're trying because you, could, you're, you totally have to be driven by yourself. You have to have a burning desire. Yeah. And nobody could, so nobody wake up and tell me to go in the morning. I have to get up and go in the morning and run. I go running, then I go to work, and then I go right after work. I go to my 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 gym, like my studio. Yeah. I train, and then I go home, eat, repeat it, and then I go compete, and then I come back. I used to be all excited about yeah. competing. I, I used to be either a different country, province, or state every weekend for about ten years of my life or more. Wow! So competition, I I live, breathe, taste it. Like you know, I tell people when they tell me they want to compete. If a student comes to me and said I want to compete right now, I said, okay, meet me at six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock. And then that tells me if they really want to do it. Yeah. That's okay, my okay. challenge. <laughs> That's, so you're, so you were, so you 
Uh, you train mm. and then you work yeah. and then you train. So yeah. basically everything, you're just putting everything yeah. into Taekwondo, being the best competitor, the best fighter that you can be. Yes. And you did, you did great. Like, thank you. You, you killed it. You're, and now it actually set you up for, for more things in your future. Right. I yes. remember, I think you said you, one of the tournaments you won and you used the money to, yeah. to open your with first, my first school. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got, you know, with all the stuff I paid off, um, they were putting a, the first in history in the world that is called Atlantic world karate team. They put together this very rich guy. They said, we'll give money to sponsor turn, um, some athletes to travel. It's never been done any part of the world. So Chuck Merriman was a coach of our team. He was choosing, he was switching X amount of athletes, across North America and two Canadians was chosen. I was I was one of them and another guy named Jean Frenette from Montreal. He does a lot of stunts and stuff. He's amazing. We were the only two was chosen from Canada. And it caused a lot of effect from friends who didn't talk to me anymore. I lost instructor because they didn't get chosen to be mm-hmm. in part of the team. And then a bunch of team from the States and we used to travel. To me that came from hard work because I'll tell you something when my money was gone, I said, gee, I need a part-time job. And I'm like, what part-time job am I going to do? And I remember saying to myself, oh, my God, I'm so broke now. I can't travel. So I said, the part-time job I was going to do is to be better. It's to train harder. It's crazy. That's what my, my part-time job, to be a better martial artist, to be a better who I am. And then I got a phone call. And I'm like, this is what pays off. It it wasn't just luck. And um, I got asked to be on this team. It was priceless. They would pay my full way. I would get a bonus money when I finish. They would we travel with an A team. And it was uh, it was a dream team to be on. So that helped me to propel me forward. And they one year, they run this amazing tournament called a slam. You could win $5,000. And I lost two of them out of the three. I remember this day, I was at this tournament. And I think it was Philadelphia. It's only black bus and $5,000 on the, on, the, on the line and never been happened anywhere before. And I went to my first fight in it and I lost. I cried. So I decided to get refocused. So they have a pool, like if you winner's pool and loser pool. So I was put in the loser's pool. Now I have 10 fights, at least five to six fights to fight back to get back into the winner's pool. So you have to do a whole bunch of extra, whole, fights, extra fights because you lost. I lost. Yeah. And I couldn't lose again because mm-hmm. then you're, I was out. Okay. So I remember putting my towel over my head. And my friends were really good. They kept me focused. They're like, nobody yeah. talked to me. I've never you focused. You thought you were down and out. And they, and, out. and they said, that, and then they, now I went to fight. And I just got to keep one at a time, one at a time. And, and then I finally won my pool, came back to the winner's pool. I was so excited about even fighting to that level for the final championship. I ended up running up. I cannot be the runner-up. I was so excited. It didn't matter if I got the grant check because I was winning $3,000. And I just so excited to know that I could have focused that way to re-engage myself, to block out every distraction, and to get back in the right direction of where I need to go. These are the lessons I bring back to my school now. These are lessons I personally learned, but not giving up, not... Um, Say hey, it's over until it's over. No, it's not over until it's the the clock goes zero. Hey. And you don't you don't give up. And in, in my school, I have a kanji said indomitable spirit. The spirit is never give. You'll see everything we wear, everything I have. It says indomitable spirit. Because if I didn't have indomitable spirit, my life would have been different. Mm-hmm. So indomitable spirit and through that competition, good lesson again. I stayed focused. I believe in myself. I could do this because my vision before, because visualization is powerful. I remember when I was training for that fight, I put all the competitors I know who's going to be that competition. And every morning I got up, 
I will compete against one of them mentally and physically as I'm training by myself. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't feel I beat them that day, I'll train next day the harder. So as I compete, I X their name out every day because I went training and I fought with them already in the morning by myself running because I know they're sleeping. Yeah. And they weren't up the same time I was up. And I will X their name out. And do you know every one of those athletes that I put names down and I beat? The one I didn't put down was the one I, did, I didn't beat. Unbelievable. So each fighter I knew that day was going to be there. And the only one I didn't name I did not put down is the one I lost to in the finals. Wow. But it didn't matter. But just to think of that, if I did put her name down and train mentally. Yeah. So that was one of my powerful moments. Okay. Powerful moment. Okay, okay. So now <laughs> um, you, you killed it as, a, as an athlete. And then uh, that time comes where you got to transfer over. I know you just got, you just got selected to be a head coach of the national team. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about that and, and, uh, and where you're at now that you're no longer competing. I, um, I'm 60 years old now, which mm -hmm. is like, wow, I can't believe I'm hitting, I hit 60. One is I had many goals within my martial arts world that I want to accomplish and it all take its time being in hall of fame. I didn't never thought I'd be in hall of fame, but I totally like amazed with, I've traveled the world with it. I've done everything. And one of the things I always want to be is a coach. I read every book on coaching from football. I love football, from basketball, coaches, the great coaches. I'm reading, I'm like, one day I'm going to be a coach. Mm -hmm. So when I got a call from Walker Canada saying they want me to be a coach, I'm like, wow. Like, it's like, this is amazing. This is actually coming through. The one thing about goals that never come to you when you think is it, is when you're ready, your goals will come to you. That's what mm -hmm. I learned. So when they said that one me, I was like, I was stoked. I didn't care who, what I, if I have to bring towel to the person, I'm still a coach. I have to bring water to, I'm coaching, right? That was asked to be that. But when I got to Walker Canada, said that was for the Ontario Winter Games. The government of Ontario put on this amazing athletic event. And the, coach, the, the president said to me, hey, come in early for the meeting. I said, no problem. I got there and he, he was chatting with myself and this other guy named Hines. And I loved, he's a really good coach to co-coach with. They said, do you have coaches waiting for you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, yes, you have 12 coaches waiting for you, leading those coaches. And I'm like, no way, right? And um, so he says to me, you have 12 coaches waiting out you outside. You'll be, you're the leader for the coaches. I'm like, you're kidding me. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm like, hey, how would to meet you? And I find when I did that, some of those coaches were not, like, who the hell are you? So some of the coaches knew me and some didn't know me. And then now I'm in a position to say, hey, I got to prove myself to these guys too. I have to prove myself to the coach and the athlete, but it was, was, not, was pretty okay because I respect people the way I give respect. And it worked really well. Now I got asked to go to the coach to Italy and I was talking with the junior team. And it was like unbelievable to be into Italy with a junior team, 3,000 athletes there, uh, 62 countries. It was that's another level of coaching, and this year I got asked to be with the senior team to Hungary at the end of the year. Unbelievable! I can ask for anything more in my life from the martial arts world. Right now, being a coach is the best. I could just do that all the time. I get excited about being working with the athletes. I'm trying to think of ways to be better. Being a coach, I read every book. I could talk to every athlete to make them uh, better. Mm -hmm. uh, when you know, when you're coach or coaching, so I'm learning. I'm talking to different coaches. I work, I'm looking at different style of coaching. How do you meet your athletes? It's a different place to be now because you may have 10 kids or 10 athletes. They're all different mentally. They yeah. all be, need to be spoken differently. So my skill, I have to raise the bar that. I cannot yell the same way. I have to learn about each athlete and how I can meet them to bring the best out of them. So I have a great challenge ahead of me, and I'm so ex excited to, to have that opportunity to okay, coach. Okay, 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 perfect, amazing. Okay, so 
You've been through a lot. <laughs> You've basically been fighting your whole entire life, competing yes. your whole entire life, um, just counting on yourself your whole entire life. So as someone who's been through so much and, and always found a way to, to make it work and found a way to, to, to push a little bit more, um, what's one piece of advice that you would pass on to, to somebody who's, I don't know, maybe they feel down, like they, they don't feel like they can fight anymore. They just feel like um, they're, they're struggling. They, they just need something else. Well, what's one piece of advice that you would give them? I also want to let people know my, my journey hasn't been easy. I've been through those places when it's so dark and ugly. I, I, I've been in places when I couldn't pay my rent at my school. I ended up living in my school. I ended up living in my car. I was broke. So one thing I, I believe what, what, what kept me going was goal setting. It is so important to have a goal. It doesn't matter what it is, but you have to believe when you set it up that you could accomplish it. You, you got to block people out and just go into your soul and find out. Take moments for your time and um, believe in your goal. I think goal setting is what keeps me motivated and exciting. One thing I always say to myself, there's a part of gold at the end of the rainbow. I know it sounds hey. cliche, but I believe in that. That was what kept me going. So it's a part of gold. It's not easy to get that part of gold. And um, I'll give you a little quick thing. At my 60th birthday, I went and buy a piece of gold because I felt the part of gold at the end of the rainbow. At my 60th birthday, I felt the accomplishment of all that stuff. So I think having a goal is important because it will drive you. If you don't have a goal because you have no purpose in life, you, don't, you feel like you don't have nothing. And what am I going to do when I get up tomorrow morning? What's going to drive you? So every, all of us have goals in us. But what happens, we're afraid to go after it. It takes changes. It, takes challenge, it challenges you. It changes you. Right? So I think goal setting is one of the key things, I think. Okay. I will thank, give that. Thank you so much, Veronica. Mm-hmm. It was great having you on the show. Um, for anybody watching, anybody listening, where can they where can they find you? Like your schools? Um, are you online anywhere? Where where can we find you? Yes, um, we have two locations: one in Chinatown on Gerard and Broadview, and Maine and Gerard. And we our, our um, website is desantos.ca. You can find us. Can you, can you spell it quick? Yeah, D E S A N T O S dot C A. Okay. Thank you. This is a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, I had fun with this. Okay, Thank you very perfect, much. perfect. Okay. I hope everybody enjoyed that episode. I hope you learned from the episode because I know I learned a lot. Um, it was great having you on the show. For anybody who's listening, if you enjoyed the show, you know what we want from you. Subscribe. Make sure to leave us a review. Give us a rating. You know we love them. Five stars. And if you have any questions, hit us up. Slide into the DM. Continual growth. Continualgrowth.ca. You know where to find us. And other than that, kill every day and own your fucking life. Bless up.